0: Up next, we'll explore the subject of faith through the eyes of Nick Remesong. Nick will share with us the story of his spiritual awakening and how this awakening has forever changed his life. So stay tuned for a conversation with Franklin's own Nick Remesong, coming up next on Chapters. (music) My name is Jim Derek, and welcome to another edition of Chapters. On today's program, we're gonna have a conversation with Nick Remesong. Welcome, Nick.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, Glad we, to
0: be here. We just met today, and uh, we've had a. Uh, you've been a long time volunteer for Franklin
1: TV, and you're re- yeah. re-engaged. Yes, I am. Yeah, you know, I started back here volunteering with Pete when we were back in the trailer days.
0: Yeah, and and the best claim of fame to anybody that I know that has ever worked here has to be your bocce calling. <laughs> <laughs> the, at the senior center. I mean, you show me a play-by-play bocce guy, and that's a guy I want to get to know.
1: Yeah, mostly the play-by-plays. Oh, that was close. Oh, oh, he missed it there. That was. <laughs> oh, that one's closer. A little closer. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of drama. There's not a lot of uh, quick reaction. As you know, no one's getting dumped or anything. But it. Uh, I did that, and I was. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Pete uh, comes to me, and I'm here to volunteer. <laughs> And he says, okay, now you got to go on air. And I said, no, no, I'm supposed to be carrying boxes and pulling cable. <laughs> he says, no, no, you're going to do the bocce. I said, I don't know anything about bocce. Yeah, yeah. I spend two days brushing up on it on the online, looking at Italian bocce, French bocce, which is different, Spanish, all kinds of stuff, yeah. indoor, outdoor. <laughs> and I show up, and it's at the senior center here in Franklin, and it's at a sand pit, basically a kid's sand pit with two little ends, and sure. you throw these balls around. Yeah, yeah. And you got a tin can with some string. You tin can with some string to yep. determine whose ball was closest to the Bellini. Bellini. The Bellini. Yeah. That's it. I had a Bellini for lunch yesterday. Cheese <laughs> <laughs> Bellini. So,
0: so you're, you're actually calling these games. And I got to tell you what, you're a new volunteer.
1: Yeah. You talk
0: about getting thrown into the fire.
1: Oh, yeah. On television. I've never been on television. Of
0: course. And um, I assume most of the names ended in vowels. No. <laughs> Right, and and you and you applied liberal nicknames to them, and I assume you became uh, uh, pretty. I know you've became very well known around here for your nicknaming ability.
1: Well, some of them were that lent themselves to nicknames pretty quickly. There was one guy, I think his first name was Pete, I think, and his last name was Caravaggio, <laughs> like the artist. Yeah, so I just called him Pete the Artist. Pete the Artist. Pete the Artist, <laughs> and they, I got looks from the the Pete the Artist himself, from everyone around him. He he doesn't draw. He doesn't do nothing. He, yeah. just, he just plays bocce, you know. And, and then there was one fella, Dom. Dom the pro. <laughs> Dom was... Uh, he was quite a character. He was 85 years old. He'd been in this country since he was two, and he sounded like he just got off the boat yesterday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and importantly... He Knew how to do something better than anybody else did,
1: yeah. Cheat, right? <laughs> yeah, he was a pro. Yeah, they all knew he was going to cheat. Yeah, they watched for him to cheat. They'd call it on call him on it occasionally, yeah, not always, but occasionally. Sure. When he was just blatant, he would just walk out and get in someone's lines, side of line, and he was just terrible. Yeah, and if it was a question, you've got two balls, which one is closer? They, they look pretty, pretty much even, mm-hmm. but you got to determine which of those balls. Your ball or the opponent's ball is closer to the Bellini. Sure. So that's where the tin can comes in. You yeah. put the tin can over the Bellini, you run the string out, and you run it like in a circle. Yeah. So it's a, it's a geometry. Uh-huh. So there's math involved in yeah. this bugger. Yeah. And Dom would get out there first, and he'd look look down, and he'd say, Oh, my ball's closer. And he'd just kick the ball. <laughs> yeah. He'd just kick everything. <laughs> think there'd be a little bit of a ruckus, but. Yeah. His team would take the point. Yeah, you know, you got to love that.
0: I, I got As I said to you, Nick, when you came in and I met you, uh, I felt like I was meeting royalty, broadcasting royalty, because Chris <laughs> Flynn has told me I have to find these tapes, and Pete uh, here at Franklin TV has assured me that we will resuscitate these and have a good laugh over them, maybe together someday over a cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, well, you're going to need more than resuscitation. You need CPR <laughs> on those babies.
0: Well, yeah. listen, I, I, uh, I'm I, very glad to meet Nick and uh, become fast friends with him. Nick uh, has been on the board of directors here at Franklin TV. TV, uh, along with a uh, an active volunteer, and now you're re-engaging. Uh, you've lived here in Franklin since the 80s? Uh, since
1: 1986, 1986. Yes, 1986, we moved into Franklin. You're
0: far from a newcomer. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, the to hear, yeah. Although,
0: you know, for Franklin, you won't be a townie for three three or four more centuries. But, three, oh,
1: you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. they always say, you know, my cat may have uh, kittens in the oven, but we ain't going to call them biscuits.
0: Exactly, exactly. So we got to talking, uh, Nick and I, and I learned some really interesting things about Nick. One of them, one of them happens to be uh, Nick's faith journey, and he and I share uh, a similar sort of trajectory with it, and I'll let him tell you his story. But uh, importantly, Nick is involved in something called the Stephen Ministries. He's going through Mm. training right now for that, Mm. Nick. Can you talk to us a little bit about what
1: the Stephen Ministries is? Yeah, I'd be glad to. I'll talk to anybody about anything having to do with my faith, and particularly the ministries. I've actually just started it. Uh, It's a very intense uh, course of instruction. Mm -hmm. Uh, It runs from October to March, and it's every, every week. It's a couple of weeks, you know, Thanksgiving, you're not, you don't do it Christmas, but it's every week and it's very intense and there's a lot of information, but we are working towards, those of us who are taking the class, we're working towards being able to go out and as fellow members of the faith to help others who have asked for our health. We do not seek you out. The client has to come to us, what they call the care receiver. I'm the caregiver. They're the care receiver. The care receiver must always come to us. So it's something where they've mentioned it to somebody else, and uh, their pastor might recommend it, but they have to reach out to us. We cannot have someone intercede for them. Mm -hmm. If it's on that level, it's a a professional duty, not Mm -hmm. ours. Mm But we're instructed in how to listen. It's just active listening,
0: empathetic listening, active listening,
1: yeah, active listening, active listening. listening, Repeating back what you've heard so that you understand. You, you know, you just build understanding. You build trust. There's a lot of trust that has to be built in a relationship like this. Mm -hmm. They have to know number one that the ministry itself is built on a bedrock of confidentiality. Sure, no one will ever know that. I've talked to you or any other Stephen ministers had you as as attempted to help you at any time.
0: You know, this this is just it's it's a fascinating thing. It's something that I the Stephen Ministries, and it's not. I should should mention this is not uh, limited to one particular faith tradition. This is open to that's uh, people of all various traditions. That's right? correct. So it's not an Episcopal or a Catholic pursuit or an Evangelical pursuit. It's a general Stephen Ministry. That's correct, right? And so, um, can people request someone from a particular tradition, a client? when they call in is that part of it or
1: uh, generally what you're looking at there as i understand it cuz as i say i'm just kind of yeah. i'm crawling right sure. now i understand um, as i understand it they are rec- they're going through a process where yes they will look at and say you know are you a member of a church if you're not a member of a right. church then they'll work to try and get someone who you know is fits your needs right Um, To a certain extent. I mean, and it's gender specific. Let me mention that right off the bat. Right. Men only work with men and women only work with women Mm -hmm. so that there's no, there's not an issue of of any misunderstanding between genders. Sure. Sure. And I mean,
0: what a time. We were talking about this just before we came on the air. What a time to be involved in something Mm. uh, like this. Not that there's ever a time when you can't use an empathetic ear. Right. But here we are. Arguably in one of the more anxious times that we've experienced Mm -hmm. uh, socially, politically, fast paced social media. We're being told that we've never been more divided than we've ever been politically, at least Mm. possibly Mm. socially. Um, And we've got tragedy all around us. We've got these uh, mass shootings. We've got a tremendous amount of anxiety uh, for young and old alike. Right. And so what you're really doing is you're being a compassionate caregiver and a friend to someone Mm -hmm. who's in need.
1: That's exactly right. And that's what it is. What a time to be
0: doing that. I I just find this to be so compelling. And Nick, your story of how you got to the Stephen Ministries, which you shared with me before we came on, is really something I'm hoping you'd be willing to to retell. I I shared with you that I uh, have found that over time, I understand that I ignored faith Mm -hmm. for pretty much the, First thirty, to thirty-five years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Nick, if you'd share with us uh, your awakening and your story, I'd be glad. I'd to. love to know how you got to a place where you find yourself so involved that you're now becoming a Stephen minister.
1: I'd be glad to do that. It's, 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 and I believe it's part of my growing in my faith is to testify. I know a lot of people have heard about that, and it's usually kind of jokey, you know, the testify brother, mm-hmm. particularly you know, television evangelist. But I believe. Giving your testimony is is crucial to staying in faith and growing in faith. But basically, I came to faith at the age of 59. I had been raised Catholic as a young man. Um, there wasn't a lot of real conscious involvement in the in the faith. Um, I went to the you know what they used to call the old catechism classes, the old Baltimore catechism. Which was a beautiful, beautiful uh, oh, yeah. way to learn anything about faith. But for me, like most things at that time when I, that I read and read then and read now, I'm reading it for, you know, uh, I'm looking for the, the plot, the angle. I'm looking for when I read poetry. When I, uh, For years when I read the Bible, I was reading the Bible to, I was scanning it. I was looking at the meter, the feet, the rhythm, and it was poetry. I was not reading it for the, what was there, mm-hmm. God speaking to me. Yep. So at the age of fifty-nine, I'm out of work. Recently, uh, kind of at loose ends. My wife had um, had a little. She had some. She was looking for something. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. She was looking for something, and she had a friend in a book club, who was uh, very uh, devoted to her church and very devoted to Christ, and she knew this, uh, and which is testimony to the fact that. We sense when someone is in faith because they're different. So she asked her if she would speak to her about it. And the woman says, yes, I'll talk to you about my church and about my faith. But understand, I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to wrap this in platitudes. You're not going to hear a lot of philosophy. You're going to hear about my first love, mm-hmm. which is Christ. Yep. So she invited my wife to church. She started going. She says, look, I'm going to church on Sunday. You don't have to go. And at that point, I wasn't up much before 10 o'clock on a Sunday. So I said, yeah, that's fine. You know, give me a little time alone. And after a couple of weeks, she comes back every week, and she's just, she's loving it. She tells me all these stories, and she said, you know, you can come if you want. You don't have to do anything. You're not committed. So one Sunday, I decide we'll go. So we go to the chapel, Mm -hmm. because they have the, the worship center, and they have the chapel. And the chapel's very traditional. New England, you know, very small chapel, hymns. Uh, a message, uh, you sing some hymns and that sort of thing, and it moves along. So I go, and I'm sitting in the chapel, and it's very nice. Uh, this engaging young man stands up there, and he starts talking, and my wife leans open and he says, oh, he's Australian. And I said, no, no, he's not. He's South African. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference. He's yeah. South African. But he gives a message. I still don't remember to this day what it was, but it was a very, it was an encouraging message. It was very simple. And basically, I know it was about love, but I wasn't listening that closely. Uh, In the midst of this, he gives his message, says, all right, now we're going to hear from Pastor Mike, and a screen drops out of the ceiling, and there on the screen is uh, a stage, and there are guitars, drums, all a piano. And I'm thinking, ah, this is where it comes out. There's going to be a wicker basket full of snakes, there's going to be a clear bottle full (laughs) of strychnine. We're going to see the excitement now, you know, because all... What I thought, you know, was everything's a Pentecostalist. They're going to handle snakes. They're going to break out in tongues, which is a valid way of expression. Sure. Don't misunderstand. Mm-hmm. But for me, this was, you know, I was going to debunk this. Yeah. That was your job after that. Was, that's what it, I was at there for. At that point in
0: time. Yeah.
1: But he gives I understand. A, he also gives a very simple message, and it's obvious that he lives this message. So we leave, we talk about it, my wife and I, and she says, well, I like to go to the worship center, which is the big hall. And I said, oh, like the the big room in in Vegas, and this was the lounge, the chapel's the lounge. She says, yeah, yeah, I guess you can look at it that way. So I figured, okay, good. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, maybe I can do some networking here. This seems like a rich church. Right. I can get a job out of this. Right. And I can fool these people. I don't have to believe in God, because quite frankly, for 44 years, forty. 44 years, yes. I had no faith, none whatsoever. I didn't believe in God. I denied the existence of God. And I said, they're all messed up on the Lord. They're not going to know what I'm talking to them about. And I walked through that door, and the plan was gone. I was hit in the middle of the forehead just with a—I was poleaxed. And I walk in, and there's Scripture that's on the walls. There are placards with Scripture. People are greeting me, saying, hello— there's a lot of mixture in this, this uh, central area, people walking around. And I'm disoriented to begin with, and I, am, I can feel myself losing control of my emotions. Mm-hmm. I look down at one point, there's something, I don't even remember what it was written on, but it says, I've known you since you were in, before you were born. I've known you in the womb. I've shaped you. And I thought, oh, I go in. The music just hits you right away. Mm. I mean, I'm used to the hymns and everything. Well, this is a full-on band that is hitting you with music. There's words up on the walls. Uh, there's words coming on the uh, the screen. People are engaged in this, and they're singing. And I start to cry. And the the fellow from the, the screen the week before gets out there, and he's telling his message again, very engaging young man, Pat, Pastor Mike Lawrence. And all I remember is as we're leaving... His bed addiction is, you're free, you're free. And I walk out, I've got the program over my face, I'm crying, I don't want people to see that I'm crying, I'm trying to get across this hallway, there's a little room, there's a doorway that I see, I go in there, and I collapse on the floor. And I'm just a mess, I'm sobbing, you know, just racked with sobs. And my wife finds me, and she's over top of me, and she's going, it's, it's it's it'll be all right. It'll be all right. She's trying to calm me, trying to soothe me. So finally, I put myself together. We go out and we start talking about it. You know, something's happened here. I don't know what's happened. The Holy Spirit had hit me. That's what I, you know, I finally realized a year later. Had this is what happened. Yeah. I had a spiritual experience. So she says, well, there's this men's breakfast they have on Fridays I said, oh yeah, okay. Well, it's at six thirty in the morning. I said, oh God, said, you're not working. What's the problem? <laughs> so normally I have my
0: bacon and eggs at yeah, a certain period. It's six thirty. I'm
1: just rolling over for the second round. <laughs> so yeah. I get up and I go. Uh, well, before I did that, I called the church. I said, "Look, I'm not a member of your church. Yeah. I've only been twice, but I'm interested. And can I can I attend the men's breakfast?" And they said, "All men are welcome." Doesn't matter if you go to this church or not, you're welcome. So they the woman that I spoke with got some information. She calls the fellow at the time who was heading up the men's breakfast, Paul Harkey. And he calls and assures me, you know, they'd be glad to have me. It's at six thirty, it's in the it's in the fellowship hall right across from the worship center. And I'm welcome. It's a four dollar donation for breakfast if you wish. If you have it. Yeah. If you have it. Yeah. So I go there, and I expect to find the room laid out, you know, with chairs from front to back. Well, it's circular tables all around, and I'm thinking, oh, I can't Mm -hmm. get away. Mm -hmm. I can't sit in the back room and disappear. I've got to get out of here now. But before I can turn around and walk out, this tall man comes walking across the floor with his hand out. He says, you must be Nick. I've never met this man before. I haven't said a word since I walked in the door, but he knew exactly who it was, and it was Paul Harkey, with whom I'd spoken to on the phone. And he welcomes me, and he tells me, this is what we do. We sit down. Uh, we've got a fellow who tells some jokes. You've got to be careful of the jokes. And I said, oh, God, now I've got to worry about the jokes. And But we have breakfast, and then we have a speaker, and then we break into groups at our tables, and we talk about the message. We talk about anything that's worrying us. We ask for prayer, and I am think, oh, prayer. All right, I don't know what that is. But they go through it and get through the, the the jokes, the message, and they're breaking up and they go around the table and they're asking for people, you know, have you got some prayers, some praise? And I'm thinking, and I finally, I looked at them, I said, look, I, I'm i in tears the whole time. and I'm going, I don't know how to pray. I haven't got any prayers for you and I can't pray for anybody. And they said, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. It's fine. So for the first couple of weeks, that's the pattern. I don't pray and I just kind of pass every time. But eventually it I'm listening and I'm watching, and I come to the point where I can put together something that I hope is heartfelt and it's not r- uh, rote and mechanical. And I end up two years in this 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 Men's Breakfast, and I've met some amazing men, and through them some amazing women, and through the church, and my walk of faith has left has led me after about three and a half four years to where I was asked to take part in the Stephen ministry, yeah. which is, I mean, I'd been asked a couple times before, but I said, look, I'm, I'm not even housebroken. I'm crawling here. I, I can't help someone else. Yeah. And they said, that's fine. Take your time. Yeah. But they kept coming back, and I came to the realization about a year ago. I said, the pattern of my life has been if I didn't want to do it or if it scared me or it seemed like it was going to be hard, just turn around and walk away, just say no. And that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to serve. Yeah. I'm here to serve as anyone who comes to me, and I'm here to serve the Lord through them, through my service to them, and that's basically what I'm trying to do with the Stephen Ministry.
0: Nick, that is such a powerful story. I thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Um,
1: I thank you for letting me share it. I
0: want to unbundle some of that, if you don't mind, and and get into some questions. I want to remind everybody, we're speaking with Nick Remesong. Nick is a volunteer, former board member here at Franklin TV. Glad to make his uh, friendship today. My name's Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. You can find me at my podcast, www.chaptersradio.com. Nick, in that story, which, again, very, very powerful uh, witness and testimony i'm sure you reflected back on what life was like prior to three and a half to four years ago mm-hmm. when you had this awakening and that yes. spiritual experience can you reflect back for us on what it was like to be nick remesong what it was like to handle life's problems mm-hmm. you yeah. kind of how you saw yourself fitting oh, yeah. into the world
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can tell you about the all of that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pleasant but yeah. i can tell you about it
0: yeah having been there i
1: yeah, I mean, for that length of time, I mean, from the pretty much the age of fifteen, I was a a sullen, uh, jumped up little martinet of a, of a of a human being. My code was get them before they get me. <laughs> so I would I was always on the attack. Um, I. Never look to create a consensus of opinion. I look to just you know you're going to believe the way I believe, and that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and and I honed that skill <laughs> mm-hmm. through the my schooling. I was uh, an English literature major. Now most people think of English literature majors, they think oh well they're just kind of sitting around reading books and it's poetry and this little wildflowers and a little folk music in the background. Yeah, particularly right. from my my generation. Yeah, but. You come to a very rough school of debate if you get it to a certain level where you're studying literature, and that rough school of debate basically says you have to score. You have to convince someone of your point of view, be it new criticism, dialecticalism, Marxist criticism, which is just fascinating, deconstruction. That was a fad that came up when I was a young man right in the midst of it, and that just added to the the combativeness that can exist. And I, I'm not trying to... <laughs> Make it sound like this is a bunch of brawling rough-and-readies, but it was an attitude of, you know, you are wrong, I'm right, and I was a very mean— it it fit you real well at the time, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I was a very Uh mean-spirited human being, Uh very mean-spirited human being. Uh, Most of the time I lived in my head. I mean, I just didn't get involved much in anything going on around me except what I was, you know, being trained for what I thought I was being trained for they weren't training me for this this is what I took from it, and mm-hmm. unfortunately it was it cost you know it cost me a good deal of time mm-hmm. because I didn't see that this is something I can really do and share with others yeah I didn't want to share it I wanted to bludgeon you mm-hmm. bludgeon you with it mm-hmm. so I was just a very self centered uh abusive very abusive and um just People hired me as a manager. I was in management. And the one thing I have in my heart right now is if I could find every person who ever had to work with me when I was a manager, I would get down on my knees and I would beg their forgiveness. I was short-tempered. I was rude. I was mean. I was insulting. It was a style that just was—it was was just reprehensible.
0: You know, Nick, this type of candor and and truth-telling is so refreshing— Um, and I find it a lot from people that have had spiritual experiences. So let me be more specific. I find it from people that have had awakenings like you Mm -hmm. through, through an evangelical experience or, or church. Um, I find it uh, in people that are in recovery. Uh, from yes. drug and alcohol abuse that, that use uh, the 12 steps of, of the big book. Right. Um, there is a spiritual experience that they pursue through that work, mm-hmm. through the 12 steps. And I find that type of candor and transparency readily available for people that are in recovery. And I consider myself to be in recovery spiritually. Um, so, as,
1: as I do. you yes. know, And I, and I hear yes. that in
0: what you're saying. Yes. Um, I also think there's a real thirst in the human condition Uh, that has to be met at some point or we have a spiritual death for interpersonal connection. uh, Mm -hmm. We are here, we we understand that we are human and as such we are flawed uh, by definition. We're broken. We're all broken. Right. And uh, in in our tradition, uh, we are guaranteed forgiveness for our sins. Correct. um, By virtue of the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us. However, I do find, not however, and I find uh, that... um, Uh, We we have an we have the need as human beings to be in community, to have conversations, to do what Mm -hmm. we're doing today. And unfortunately, I know this sounds cliche and it's it's, you know, everybody talks about it, but social media, the speed with which we travel today, the fact that we can get on an airplane like we used to a bus and be halfway across the world in six hours um, and pay 250 bucks for it. And uh, we consider that to be a blessing these days. But I find that we're awfully fragmented um, or we can be. And that for me, I have been richly blessed by having the experience that I had, which was when I had that two by four hit me in the head and say, my God, you're all alone. Mm -hmm. I thought I was all alone. And, um, and to find out that I wasn't was, was, Exactly what you described in terms of your emotional Mm -hmm. emptying that day It is uh, in your church. Why wouldn't we be emotional around something like that? I mean, we're literally being unburdened because I don't know about you, but I was very similar to you in terms of my I I had a I had my uh, I was in a fight posture all the time. Mm -hmm. I used to assume that I was uh, burdened by all types of things that I'm not burdened by. I had a tremendous Mm -hmm. amount of guilt. Guilt ran my life.
1: Guilt will run and ruin your life. Right.
0: And and so you, you know that oh, resonated yeah. with you. Oh, How, yeah. What role did guilt play in your life, do you
1: think? Well, guilt kept me from making any move that in the very frequent, not very lengthy, but very frequent periods that I had to have short bursts of saying, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is where I'm supposed to be moving someplace else. And it was always a thought. Maybe I can step into this church. Maybe I can step into this office. Maybe I can do something here. Maybe they've got an answer for me. Uh, and then I'd quickly go, no. Nah. And because the guilt, the guilt feeds you. You feed off of the guilt, and the guilt feeds off of you. And you get used to that hung, feeding that hunger, and you get used to having that hunger just regenerated by the guilt eating you. Mm. And it's a vicious cycle.
0: I had a very wise person turn to me one time and he said, Jim, it was a sales manager of mine when mm-hmm. I was in sales. By the way, I'm terribly matched for sales. I was the worst salesman in the world. <laughs> but, uh,
1: <laughs> I can identify with that.
0: But, but I'll tell you, um, uh, he turned to me and he said, you know what, Jim, your problem isn't a fear of failure. Your f- problem is a mm-hmm. f- fear of success. Mm-hmm. It took me forever to figure out what he meant. Mm-hmm. He was a very wise guy because there were times when I would walk right up to the threshold of something like entering a faith community and I would mm-hmm. talk myself out of it. Yes. There was something I, I was afraid of of actually achieving something above and beyond the self limitation that I placed, the human self limitation that I placed on myself. Does that make any sense?
1: It makes great sense to me. I had self limiting
0: beliefs that I yes. love to feed through That's guilt right.
1: and fear. That's correct. Guilt and fear. It keeps you from everything that is going to make you happy. Right. Everything. Right. Uh, you are convinced that if you open up just that little bit, that's it. You're done for. Yeah. They're going to get inside and they're going to eat you alive. Yeah. Where you're already being eaten alive by your own festering fears and worries. Yes. And
0: this is what fa- this fascinates me. I heard so much in your story that um, was inspiring. Here you are at 59 years of age, mm-hmm. a man that has been living outside of any faith community, for your entire adult life right right exactly and before and because your wife decided that she needed something and gave you an invitation that somehow you accepted you walked through the doors but that's not what really kept you there right, right. you have to overcome some cynicism and some skepticism about what's happening there
1: and some uh, some false beliefs and just uh you know this this greed to feed my own needs right. um I'm, i thought you know like, like i said i can network here maybe i can get a job here yeah but uh i had to get over that well that <laughs> i didn't have to get over it i was i was put over it. <laughs> it was taken away from me and i mentioned to you earlier about uh the the plethora of paul's that came into my yes, life yes yes uh paul of course you know uh, uh there was there was Paul Harkey there was Paul Nowman there was Paul Petavolano, Paul uh, Pantaleoni Paul Murphy Paul Randolph all of these Pauls kept p- coming up in my life mm-hmm. and it being like i said just being the neophyte that i was i wasn't listening and then many of the messages that we hear in the sermons that i go that, uh, at the church deal with the new testament yeah. and Paul is the new testament so i'm finally realizing that yeah, it's it, it's it's probably a little bit my uh, need to have everything kind kind of tied together neatly and yeah. and be this mystery that's all of a sudden revealed to me. Oh, right. it's Paul! This is Paul. This makes sense now. Yeah, on yeah. Uh, on the road to Damascus. Yeah. Only I was Paul on the road to Damascus. Well, I'm not Paul on the road to Damascus. I don't for myself. No one's struck me blind for a couple of days. Yeah. I mean they. I was I was poleaxed when I walked through that door. Yeah, and that might have been my Damascus, but it, I don't. Don't misunderstand. I'm not putting myself on the level of Paul, right? but, you know, Paul the Apostle. But it just—they came to me. They stayed with me. They helped me through this. Um, They—at that breakfast, uh, at coffee outside of the church, uh, just phone calls, emails, texting. They stayed in touch. Mm. They kept the connection. They kept— the faith with me, and they showed me their faith. And I knew right away these men were different from any I'd that I'd, that I'd consciously known. Yeah, and I know in my life there'd been other people who'd come up and tried.
0: Right. And and you described the man that you were prior to that experience. And so you're sitting there, a neophyte in this church, mm-hmm. and I am assume you're feeling very overwhelmed with your lack of knowledge of the Bible, maybe, mm-hmm. with your lack of knowledge of how to pray, Oh, yeah. Your seeming lack of knowledge and oh, all that yeah. and thinking that that's important because after all that's the tradition that you came from was one where you had to know what you were talking about and you were proud that you did and you were right. going to beat people over the head with it. That's right. right. So suddenly you're the neophyte, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a message there to all of us. The the message that that you received that day and that brought you to tears was very very uncomplicated.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Oh yeah,
0: it wasn't wrapped in all sorts of verbiage and everything else. It nope. was basically a message of. You are okay. You're home. Yep. You're safe here. I've always known you. Mm-hmm. And I love you.
1: Exactly right. Unconditionally, right? Unconditionally and continually. I mean, very early on, I had a conversation with another man, uh, and we were just sitting in a basement. And I said, Well, what about the, the repeated sins? Mm-hmm. I said, You don't have confession. He says, Everyone has confession. You just don't have an intermediary. You don't sit there with a priest in a box, which is what I was used to, which is, which is, don't misunderstand. Yeah. I'm not attacking anything that no, any, anyone does. But he says, you make your confession, and you're sincere. I said, yeah, but what if you're confessing the same sin and the same fault over and over and over again? And he said, you get forgiven over and over and over again. Yeah. I said, you do it again, you get forgiven again and again and again you're just forgiven. We're broken. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Our sinful nature is going to be with us for the rest of our lives here on this earth.
0: Can you talk about your experience as a, as a man entering this church at, at the later stage of 59 years of age?
1: What it all comes down to me is is it this willingness to let someone inside, this willingness to share, this willingness to willingness and obligation to testify, because what I've told you here today is an obligation mm. That I feel I have, and I feel that all uh, evangelists would have, and, and all in the faith would have. You have to tell others about how you've come to where you are, because otherwise they don't realize that it can happen to anybody. And I've had people who've looked, who'd known me years before, who look at me now and say, "How did you ever get to where you are now?" I don't. I don't recognize you. You're not the same person in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I still fall back. I have anger, you know, and I have you know this this misdirected anger all the time, you know, but, but it, it gets less and less. And that is the prayer I have every day is that I get closer and closer to complete surrender and obedience to the Lord. Right. As I said, as you said, not my will, you, as I said, not your, my will, but yours, O Lord. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's what I'm aiming for. That's, that would be the greatest peace in this world to know that all i'm doing is serving as a vessel for the lord to serve others yeah and i don't mean i'm not you know i'm not qualified as a preacher or anything but this is what this is what i i see is the when i dream and when i i re, you know read the 23rd psalm you know you make me lie down on green pastures you lead me beside the still quiet waters mm-hmm. that's surrender someone who is going to take your life in their hand and they're going to take you and they're going to carry you and you do what they you follow them without blinking without Mm -hmm. thinking and without doubt
0: yeah you know i'm curious nick I it's such a compelling story and i have to say you can't get a larger compliment than somebody and that's not what you're after but but to get a compliment when somebody says i want what you have yes and there's your opening to chat about what your experience has been i'm curious about in today's world as as you encounter people as an evangelist mm-hmm. because that's what you are mm-hmm. how do you find the g word god uh, relative mm-hmm. to being able to enter into conversation with people is it still a hard door slam is
1: it has it ever been it can be it's getting and it, easier yeah it can be and i find that it's the the hardest word to use with people that i've known for a long time yeah because they if if i've If you've known me for a long time and you stuck with me and you're still talking to me after having known me, you know, at the age of 20, 30, 40, 50, then you may have issues that matched mine. Mm -hmm. If not as severe, they were there. Mm -hmm. And for me to come to you and say, and which I've tried to do is to let people know that I've come to faith, a faith, and that I've accepted the Lord as my Savior. And the Lord is t- tough enough for them to hear, and Savior's a little getting on the edge there. But when you say God or Jesus Christ or Christ, it's it's a real red flag that they turn around and run away from.
0: Fascinates me, yeah. Because I'll talk to you all day long about I don't know the stock market, football, exactly mm-hmm. uh, the hockey game, Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Maybe maybe we'll even get crazy enough to talk of politics. <laughs> but. Literally, God forbid. Yes. <laughs> we talk about God. Um, right. And now we've entered an area which, um, boy, I, I my whole life I was brought up. You don't bring up God or politics at the exactly. table. Yeah. Thanksgiving Day table, which it's kind of startling to me. Um, I guess some people would have the maybe misdirected assumption that if they didn't agree with you, mm-hmm. that you would shut them out. hmm. Is that a position you would take?
1: That's the position I would take. Uh, that prior, you know, you brought up something like God or something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna belittle you. I'm going to attack you. Right. I'm going to say, you know, I, they, And it's it, it's it's an argument that I see people that I have a lot of respect for use still. Um, you know, there's a very famous uh, British actor, comedian uh, fellow by the name of Stephen Fry, author, uh, very highly educated man, beautiful speaker. And he's a a virulent atheist, and his one argument every time is childhood leukemia, what God would give a child leukemia. God doesn't give the child leukemia. right? But to get into the mix with others that I've known and talk about it, I've had them just immediately say, you know, I'm not going to talk about this with you. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, You can do whatever you want. I had a friend that I called, and he was—we uh, hadn't talked in some time—and where he's burdening uh, over the phone to me about his issues with his marriage and everything, and uh, his uh, alcohol dependency, and how he was working through that, and he was doing a good job. And I said, "Well, you know, you've been uh, open and honest with me, and I would like to share with you." And I told him about my coming to faith. Sure. And boom! Wow, that was it. Wow! Immediately, you could feel the frost over the phone. He says, "Look, we've been having a nice conversation right. up to you now. You had to I, bring I, this up, yeah." And I, I want to remember this as a good conversation. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, get off the phone here. I'm gonna think about this. And that was three years ago.
0: Fascinating, absolutely fascinating, Nick. And I've been sitting here with you now for 45 minutes, and I have actually longer. And um, I have to tell you, I have never once felt threatened. I welcome the conversation. Um, you don't even know what my faith tradition is, nor did you ask me. I didn't have to present you with a card or anything. No, (laughs) no. it It's just a friendly conversation. Yeah,
1: and when we started talking about this before we went on the air, it was, you'd you'd asked what I was interested in, what I was doing, what your passion is. Well, (laughs) that's my passion. And I
0: can see why.
1: that's all we're doing is conversation. And conversation for me, at any time in my life, conversation has been what I crave and what I need. Right. Conversation about just about anything. But when it's, At this point in my life, I'm 65 a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And the conversation that I crave now is conversation about faith. It's a conversation about how you face your life, how you deal with the the worries that are just tearing your life apart and your guilt and your fears and how you can get to a point where you don't have to be torn apart. You don't have to die every day. Yeah because of the guilt and the fear and the worry that you have because you give it to the Lord. You work through the Lord's instruction. You don't ignore it. You don't say, okay, it's all yours, but I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do what I still want to do, but you take care of this part of it. I'll take care of this part. I got this. I don't have anything. My life is the Lord's. I was created out of love and I am to return that love. Mm -hmm. And that conversation of love between myself and my Savior is the most intense and the most cherished conversation I have. And this conversation we've had now has just been, it brings you alive. It it literally can restore your health yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and it just, it it brings the mind completely to the forefront and it sharpens every sense, I believe.
0: I love the fact that you said it res- it's restorative. I think oh, you yes. Just said. Highly restorative. I, you know, I feel that. Yeah. Uh when this this conversation we just had now, I feel mm-hmm. more awake and more alive than I did
1: an hour ago. Yeah, exactly. And
0: and I find that continually when I enter into these types of conversations. Yes. Um and it's very palpable.
1: There's um, always been two or more gathered together. There you go. There you go.
0: You know, Nick, I'm curious as to how this impacted your relationships.
1: Oh. Well, I you know, I've talked about a little bit about the relationships with others who have known me before. Uh some of them, like uh, the gentleman I talked to you about, I had the conversation on the phone. That's that's pretty much gone. I mean, I could, I'm probably should have made it more of a—I tried a couple of times to get back in touch. Never yep. had anything come back. At certain, some uh, one point, you have to use discernment and say, well, yep. if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's in the Lord's hands now. Um, but my relationship with my wife is, of course, the—that's what's been most highly impacted— and it's just on a level that is well beyond anything I thought I'd ever experience in my life. Mm. I mean, my wife, <laughs> why she was with me, why she ever married me, I have no idea why she stayed with me is beyond my comprehension. It's it's, it's one of the great mysteries. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a mystery of my life.
0: Yeah. Well, if my and, wife's listening, she has a second one for you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. But she did. And then she... Through her need and through her walk with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit spoke through her, and, my, and the, the Holy Spirit continues to speak to her many, many times. And she speaks to me of that, and I think that's what the conversation is. You know, I'm hearing from her the Holy Spirit that's in her, and the Spirit within me is talking to her, mm. and she is just the voice of the Holy Spirit to me so frequently. What am I going to do now? and we'll talk and all of a sudden it just hits me so like, oh my this is not this is beyond anything that I would ever have expected anything of this depth mm. so my relationship with my wife with the friends I have the friends and the friends who who are not who don't share the faith that has shaped also because I'm uh, I've made some amends to most of them in thanks saying you know my sisters-in-law they're 10 years younger than my wife, and I used to treat them abysmally, just treat them like they were little idiots, you know, and, and, and women. They grew very successful women, and I always treated them badly. Mm. And just a couple of years ago, we were down in D.C. where we're from, and I said, you know, I have to apologize you for that. For that, And he said, well, why did you do that? I said, I haven't the slightest idea. I have no idea why you had to be the target. Somebody had to be the target. The two of you were convenient. You were always around. I get at you, and it it hurt. It hurt you, didn't it? They said, yeah. So I was successful. I accomplished what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And they they don't share our faith, but they are very interested. They came up and visited. They went to the church. They were asking a lot of questions. It's a seed. It's it's the the, the little mustard seed of faith. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. And we you know our prayers every day are that you know our families are brought closer to god our friends are brought closer to god the relationship that i have with the people that i've met through the church through my faith they're different from anything i've ever experienced mm-hmm. they're richer and deeper and they are obviously ones that are meant to show me that i need i'm continuing on the right path mm. And he's guiding me along those right paths.
0: Powerful, powerful testimony from Nick Remesong. Um, I have to tell you, Nick, it's been a pleasure to get to know you over this conversation. I'm looking forward to many more. Um, if as, you,
1: as, I'm, as I am too, if I would you, be glad to do that. If
0: you didn't guess, Nick has a killer radio voice, if you couldn't <laughs> tell for the last 45 or 50 minutes. And it's hopeful that you'll be hearing his voice over these airways. Nick? I've learned a lot this morning. Thank you. So thank you.
1: Thank you. That's the best thing. That's the greatest thing I could ever, greatest compliment anyone could ever pay me. Great. And it's, it's not being paid to me. It's being paid to the Lord. I really believe that. May God bless you.
0: So to close today's program, here's a song that really fits today's theme. Here's Bruce Springsteen with Land of Hopes and Dreams. For my guest, Nick Remesong, my name's Jim Derrick saying thanks for listening to Chapters, and we'll see you next week.